0: Once again, thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the stories we tell ourselves and how they affect our ability to make a life that matters. You'll find links to resources I mentioned and more information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com 138. Once again, this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. An online accounting software that I've been using myself and highly and wholeheartedly recommend. As I've said, they have an all-new platform that makes what they offer even better. It's improved just even in the year that I've been using it. And they're offering you, as a Productive Woman listener, a free 30-day all-access trial so you can find out for yourself just how useful and how usable FreshBooks is. Those of you who operate a small business, whether as a freelancer or a solopreneur uh, or small business of any kind, you really do owe it to yourselves to check it out, which you can do by visiting freshbooks.com/slash woman. The all new freshbooks is not only easy to use, but it's also packed full of powerful features that really let you manage your business in a very effective and efficient manner. Uh, it's got this great dashboard that lets you, when you log in, see at a glance how your business is doing, what, uh, what's owed to you, what needs to be billed, where, that's the status of invoices and all those things. It's very easy and kind of intuitive to see all of that and understand how your business is doing. It also allows you to manage the process of getting paid, which is important for any business. You can do things like set up and send customized, professional-looking invoices in seconds. You can accept online payments from your customers, making it very, very easy for them to just, with a click of a a mouse, pay you or a, a tap on the screen of their smartphone, pay that invoice so that Uh, FreshBooks users get paid an average of four days faster than those who use other systems. You can track the delivery and the payment of those invoices from that helpful, informative dashboard. Uh, FreshBooks also has features that allow you to track your time, if that's relevant to the kind of business you have, and keep track of your expenses right on your smartphone. You can capture uh, those receipts and so on and have everything right there that you need. It's just a great tool for managing your business's finances so that you can stay on top of the money side of what you do. As I said, FreshBooks is offering that 30-day unrestricted free trial to Productive Woman listeners where you can put it through its paces, try it all out, and see how it works for you. To claim that free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash woman and enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, so let's get into this week's topic. I was actually listening to a podcast recently, and the host, I think, was talking about Regret and made a comment about something someone in her life had done and the story she created in her mind about what it meant. And it got me thinking about some other things I'd read and and heard in the last few months about this whole idea of our minds and the stories we tell ourselves and what we make things mean. It also got me thinking about how I do that where somebody does or says something or, or doesn't do or say something and with very little information I make up this whole story about what it means or what happened. Uh, I think I've mentioned my husband and I've been married for a very very long time and, and you know I'll admit in the early years we were 18 when we got married so you know we were we were babies. And, um, you know, we we had our struggles at, at uh, in those early years. We had struggles with communication and, and interpreting each other's uh, actions or words or silence or inaction to mean things that weren't intended. And we've kind of made a joke about it now where, you know, if something happens like, say, um, say I go to him and I say, hey, I'm going to go in t- into town to the grocery store. You want to come with me. And if he says no, then sometimes I'll say something like, "Okay, what I hear you say is you never loved me and and you still don't love me and, you know, you don't want to spend time with me." And he'll, you know, kind of laugh and say, "Yeah, that's exactly what I said." When actually what's going on is that, you know, he has something else he's doing. But that's kind of our joke about how it is that we just in relationships will make up these stories and interpret what the other person says in a way that it was not intended same thing can happen in in you know in life in business in whatever we used to joke uh, when i was a young associate at my law firm there was a senior partner a very smart man who you know been gone to harvard law school and was a very senior kind of one of those corner office partners who just knew so much and was so smart and very intimidating to those of us who were younger. And he would walk through the halls sometimes with this kind of intent look on his face and uh, we, we had a conversation at one point about how we, you know, you'd know, you pass him and you'd think he was scowling at you and that he was mad at you about something, and we realized that it w- wasn't probably that at all. He was probably thinking, oh, well, the, thinking about some recent decision of the Texas Supreme Court that he disagreed with or something like that, but that's what we do. We make up these stories about things that happen in our lives, and we often do it based on assumptions or misunderstandings, or just very little information. I thought about all this in the context of productivity, about why it is we do or don't live the lives we want to, or do or don't do the things that matter to us. And so much of it, I think, is tied to these stories we tell ourselves about what is or isn't possible for us. And so I thought I wanted to talk about that a little bit this week, and I'm hoping that I'll hear back from you either in the comments section of the show notes for this episode or in the Productive Woman community Facebook group, because I just find this real interesting, and I'd, but I'd be very interested to know your thoughts on it. So I... I believe that the most important factor in determining how we experience our lives isn't what happens to us, but what we make it mean. Nothing has more impact on our lives, on what we accomplish or what we don't, on whether we're happy or not, uh, you know, all those things. Nothing has more impact on those things than the stories we tell ourselves. So what do I mean by this? When I'm talking about the stories we tell ourselves, I'm talking about the meaning we give to the things that we experience and do, the explanations we have for what we do or don't do, or for what happens to us or doesn't happen. We talked about some of this in our Mindset Matters, Matters mini series from late last year. Like in episode 112, when we talked about productive beliefs, and we talked about the fact that we can choose to believe there's not enough time to get everything done, or we can choose to believe, and it's probably a more productive belief, that there is enough time to do what matters most. You know, the one thing that we talked about back in episode 133. We also talked about, have talked in past episodes, including one episode one twelve, how we can choose to believe we don't have the talent to accomplish something we dream of, or we can choose to believe that we can learn what we need to know. Those are just some examples of how um, what we believe, the stories we tell ourselves. Uh, and what we the, the meaning we give to our our actions, other people's actions, and so on, um, has such an impact on how we experience our life. I read the most interesting article, and this is kind of. Uh, it's not a TED Talk, but it's uh, from TED.com and an article related to that. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes. And I really recommend you check it out. Um, it refers, it's an actually an excerpt from a book called The Power of Meaning, Crafting a Life That Matters by Emily Esfahani S- Smith. And this is one I've put on my to-buy list at Amazon because um, just reading the article really got me interested in what this book has to say. Um, And especially because the subtitle is Crafting a Life That Matters, and that's kind of the theme of our show. But the excerpt that was in this article talks uh, about uh, the work of a a psychologist named Dan McAdams, who's an expert on a concept he calls narrative identity. And I'm just going to read a little bit of, of an excerpt from this article where it says, McAdams describes narrative identity as an internalized story you create about yourself, your own personal myth. Like myths, our narrative identity contains heroes and villains that help us or hold us back, major events that determine the plot, challenges overcome, and suffering we have endured. When we want people to understand us, we share our story or parts of it with them. And when we want to know who another person is, we ask them to share part of their story. And so this whole um, concept of narrative identity kind of goes to what I'm talking about here. These stories that we tell ourselves, uh, actually, in, in most cases, not even consciously, And and McAdams talks about the fact that that a person's life story is not, and I'm quoting here, not an exhaustive history of everything that has happened. Rather, we make what McAdams calls narrative choices. Our stories tend to focus on the most extraordinary events, good and bad, because those are the experiences we need to make sense of and that shape us. But our interpretations may differ." And so, and then it goes on in the article to talk about how uh, different people can have the same experiences in their life, say, um, a, a childhood abuse, and but they will interpret it differently. For for one person, that experience of childhood abuse is like the most important thing that ever happened to them, and defines them as a victim. While another person who went through the same experience may define them, you know, interpret that experience to define themselves as a survivor, as a victor, as a a strong person. So uh, this whole concept of narrative choice is how we we pick, not always intentionally, what we're going to focus on in the stories of our lives, in our history. And so... The whole thing is kind of an interesting backdrop to what I wanted to talk about here. And I will get to to how this um, uh, impacts productivity as we talk about it on the show. So we're talking about the stories of our lives, the stories we tell ourselves. What kind of stories? Well, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. I'm the kind of person who does this. I'm the kind of person who's always on time. I'm the kind of person who's disorganized. I'm the kind of person who never tells a lie. I'm the kind of person who is more comfortable alone than with other people. Uh, Whatever those stories may be uh, that we have about ourselves. We tell stories about our work, about what it means to us, whether we're good at it or not good at it, whether it's significant or not significant, whether we're talented or or a hack, so to speak. We have stories we tell ourselves about our abilities, what we're capable of and what we're not capable of, about other people's opinions of us, what they think of us, about what other people do, things happen in our lives. And we we create a story in our mind, often without even realizing that we're doing it, a story about what about the meaning of what this other person did. We have stories about our circumstances and about the things that have happened to us, about what we do and why we do it. We have stories about our past, and we tell ourselves stories about our future. And all of these are going on all the time, consciously or not. And that has an impact on our ability uh, or the the approach we take to making a life that matters and accomplishing those things we care about so where do these stories come from they come from our experiences and our brain is wired for story and there's lots of i've, I've read some very interesting uh, articles and books about how our mind just goes to creating stories from our experiences. Our brains are designed to keep us alive, and part of that is uh, the ability to tell stories to explain what we've experienced. Just like back, prim- you know, in early civilization, I guess less developed civilizations have stories about what. Why why the sun comes up in one side of the uh, the horizon and goes down on the other side, and all the mythology that developed as as humankind um, became civilized, or to the extent we are civilized, I guess, um, and that's what our brains do. It's part of the, how they work to keep help us navigate the world we live in and survive. And when something bad happens to us. We decide often without consciously deciding what it means. And it's different for everybody. The same bad thing can happen to five different people, and each one of them will make it mean something different. Same thing with good things. Good things can happen to us, and we'll all tell a different story about it. So, for example, say, you know, several different people are laid off from their jobs. One person will make that mean I'm a failure. Another person will make that mean my boss is a jerk. Um, another person will tell a story to themselves about, well, it's, it was time for me to move on anyway. We all create these stories to explain um, what happened and and to make sense of it. I guess similarly with um, with good things that happen, and some of us. Uh, tell ourselves when a good thing happens to us, we tell ourselves a story about why we have earned it. We're a good person, and we've earned it. Others of us have a hard time telling any story about a good thing other than, "Well, I just got lucky, and it won't last." And uh, another example that I thought of in, in thinking about this is, you know, five several different women have a messy house. One of those women may, the story she explains that with is, well, I'm a slob. Uh, another person, another woman may tell a story about how it's because the people I live with are slobs. Another person, to, the, to her it means we have full lives and there are other things more important than tidying up. Another one is, may make that mean, well, we need to get rid of some of our stuff. We have too much stuff. Another woman, many of us do this we have, when our house is messy, the story we tell ourselves without recognizing that we are telling this story to ourselves is, I'm a bad wife, a bad mom, a bad human being because I can't keep up with everything. Uh, while another person may, may see her messy house and say, oh, well, what this means is I need to hire some help. It's time to do that. That's, that's what's interesting, that we can have the same experiences and yet have them mean something completely different because of the stories we tell ourselves. In the article I mentioned above about the psychologist Dan McAdams, he talks about um, two kinds of stories that we tell, uh, a redemptive story or a contamination story about any event different people tell different kinds of stories. And he says people who are driven to contribute to society and to future generations, he found in his studies, are more likely to tell redemptive stories about their lives or stories that transition from bad to good. So something bad happened, but something good came out of it. He calls that a redemptive story. Whereas he says, "People uh, that the other kind of story is a contamination story, and that's a story in which people interpret their lives as going from good to bad. So even good things are, as he said, puts it, contaminated by something bad." And he gives several examples. And he has found in all the research that he did in the studies of different kind of people, he said, people who tell contamination stories are less generative. Or less driven to contribute to society and younger generations. Interestingly, he said, they also tend to be more anxious and depressed and to feel that their lives are less coherent or make less sense compared to those who tell redemptive stories. So I I just thought that was so interesting that they can, you know, psychologists who study how we interact with ourselves and with our world. Can, I, can categorize the way we talk to ourselves and the stories we tell about our lives and that two people can experience exactly the same event and make it mean something completely different. So why does that matter? Why am I talking about it on The Productive Woman? Well, because what we think, even subconsciously, ultimately determines what we do and what we do determines what our life is like. The, I can't emphasize that strongly enough. I really believe that, that the, the results we have in our life are, the they come from the choices we make and the things we do. And I'm not saying that as a, as a, you know, you know, pointing the finger and saying, oh, look what you're doing to yourself or look what I'm doing to myself. To me, that's such an empowering thing to recognize that if, if my life is the result of my actions, then I have control over what my life is like because if what I did brought the results that I have and I don't like those results, I can get different results by changing what I do. No matter what's going on around me, no matter my circumstances, it's on me. I I have that power. And so what we think determines our actions, and our actions determine what our life is like. So how do these stories affect us um, in, in that context? Well, if a story we tell ourselves is, say, that we don't finish things, we start then pretty soon we will stop trying. It becomes a self-fulfilling story. If the story we tell ourselves is that there's not enough time to do the things we care about, we'll fulfill that story too. This goes again into the whole brain science thing, that that our brains are designed to look for evidence of what we already believe. And there's this whole thing about, you may have heard of the term cognitive dissonance, Um, it's, it's something that happens with our brains. It's a discomfort that we feel when we're holding two contradictory thoughts at the same time. And one cause of cognitive dissonance is seeing evidence or information that contradicts what you think or believe. We don't like cognitive dissonance. It is, by definition, uncomfortable to us psychologically, and so we are able to persuade ourselves subconsciously that the evidence isn't there or that it doesn't mean what others say it means. Our brain looks for evidence that supports what we already believe. So in essence, you see what you're looking for. And there there are a ton of articles about that. I I will have one, I'll put a link to one or two of them in the show notes for this episode. One of them uh, from um, simplypsychology.org talking about cognitive dissonance made the point that we have an inner drive to hold all our attitudes and beliefs in harmony and avoid disharmony or dissonance. We seek consistency in our beliefs and attitudes and a powerful motive to maintain cognitive consistency, that is to avoid cognitive dissonance, can give rise to irrational and sometimes maladaptive behavior. So it is so important to our psyche that what we see be consistent with what we believe, that we will see it whether it's there or not. And so if our story, if the story we tell ourselves about ourselves (laughs) focuses on our limitations, then that's all we're going to see. But if our story focuses on possibilities, we'll see those everywhere we look and so here's the question that I was asking myself as I was thinking about the, this episode is can we learn to tell ourselves different stories? How many times have you heard someone say, How many times have you said, I'm the kind of person who, whatever, you know, fill in the blank? That is it the result of thoughts we've had. That is a story we have created about ourselves. And the question is, can we learn to tell ourselves different stories? If the stories we believe, if the things, stories we're telling ourselves don't serve us, don't get us the results we want, can we learn to tell ourselves different stories? We need to understand, first of all, that these stories, these thoughts are completely optional. We create them. And we can choose to create different stories if the stories we're telling ourselves don't serve us. How do I know they're optional? Because of what I've already said. Two people who have exactly the same experience can end up with completely different thoughts and feelings about them, can tell a completely different and a totally opposite story about what that experience meant. So that's how we know that... Those thoughts are optional, okay? It's not easy, though. We can learn to tell ourselves different stories, but it's not easy. Our brains like to keep doing what they've always done. It's a survival mechanism. Um, doing what you're good at, the, for the brain doing what it's good at, is very efficient. It uses less energy, and therefore it's a, a survival mechanism. Um, but we can sort of overcome that if we act intentionally to develop new stories and give new meaning to our, ourselves and our experiences. That article uh, from, about Dr. McAdams Um, made a a point that one of, and I'm quoting here, one of the great contributions of psychology and psychotherapy research is the idea that we can edit, revise, and interpret the stories we tell about our lives even as we are constrained by the facts. Um, The article says that a psychotherapist's job is to work with patients to rewrite their stories in a more positive way. And coaches do the same thing, can help you identify, bring these stories that you're telling yourself out into the light and reinterpret them, separate the facts from the opinions from the stories and reinterpret them in a way that serves you better. This is not about denying reality. It's about being conscious and intentional about how we interpret reality. Okay? that's what i want i hope I'm, I'm articulating this well i'm not trying to suggest that we can look at the world around us and pretend it's something it's not it's uh, that's not the point of this of this telling stories it's about learning to interpret the reality around us in a conscious and intentional way that serves us and helps us to create the lives that we want to create so what's the process for this? Very quickly, it's it starts with awareness. We, I keep coming back to that. We talked about that a lot in the Mindset Matters miniseries and some other episodes. But really, y'all, everything starts with that, with being aware. We first need to learn to pay attention to what's going on in our heads. So the first step is learning to observe without judging, um, one writer in an article on the Zen Habits website suggests thinking of the story we're telling ourselves as a dream. So it's neither good nor bad, it's just, it's just sort of going, it's happening there. Um, uh, life coach, uh, trainer, master coach, Brooke Castillo, who I've talked about in the past, she calls this being in a watcher role observing ourselves, observing our thoughts without assigning a value of good or bad, just seeing what it is, what is there. So learning to observe our thoughts, the way we react to things that happen, the beliefs that we have, because remember, a belief is just a thought we keep on thinking, and the feelings that we have as a result, and observing the results in our lives. uh, Compassionately and with curiosity, Looking at our lives, and not to beat up on ourselves, but to say, hmm, so this is what's happening in my life. This is the life I've created for myself. Um, isn't that interesting? Why am I doing that? So that's the first step is to become aware, to pay attention. So much of what we do, these stories are subconscious. They're, we don't even realize we're telling them. It's, just, it's become ingrained in us. The first step is to start to pay attention on purpose and then learn to tell the difference between the truth and a tale, okay? What is true and what's just a story I'm making up? And that starts again from this awareness and noticing the feelings that we have when a circumstance or a situation occurs. How am I feeling about this thing in my life whether it's my, you know, my messy house or the busy day at work or a customer who said something unkind or um, you know whatever it is a circumstance then then sort of stepping back into that watcher role and noticing how you're feeling about that. Wow, so I'm having this reaction. This is how I'm feeling about the, what that person just said to me. And recognizing that I'm starting to create a story about what that means. My boss said this thing, and I'm, I'm creating a story that makes that what she said mean that I'm incompetent or that she thinks I'm incompetent, or whatever the story is. So notice the feelings that you have. Recognize that that feeling comes not from what happened, not from the situation not from the event but from from your own thoughts the story that you're telling yourself about what it means recognizing that then identifying what is the story you're telling without judging it as good or bad just becoming curious about all right what am i what is the story i'm making uh, i'm telling myself about what just happened and that's causing me to feel this way and then once you've identified that story Then examine it really objectively and ask yourself, first of all, is it true? And then here it comes, we've got to learn the difference between a fact and an opinion. One online definition is that a fact is a statement that can be proven true or false. An opinion is an expression of a person's feelings that cannot be proven. Uh, Opinions can be based on facts or emotions, and sometimes they're meant to deliberately mislead others. I thought that was an interesting definition. But looking at the story that I'm telling myself and and asking, is it really true? And by true, I mean everybody agrees. Nobody could disagree with the story. If one person could disagree with the story you're telling, then it's not a fact. It's just a thought. Okay? Okay. Learning then, once you've done this practice of, of being aware of the feelings, recognizing that you're, you're making up a story about what happened, identifying what that story is and evaluating whether it's true or not. And then even if it's true, does it serve you to think of it that way? To, or would you be better served to think of it in a different way? And then we learn to replace the old story with a new one. That's easier than trying not to think a certain way. Developing a new thought pattern, a new habit is easier than stopping an old one. And uh, we've talked about that a little bit in the past and probably will again. But this uses um, learning to replace the old story with a new one. Developing a new thought pattern on purpose uses the principle that we talked about earlier that we see what we're looking for. We start by planting the seeds. So I'm the kind of person who keeps her commitments who dreams big, who experiences good things, who accomplishes what she sets out to do, who is calm in, in the face of chaos. Whatever it is that you want um, to tell yourself, what story you want to create in your life, you can plant those seeds and practice thinking those things, and your mind will start looking for evidence to reinforce that belief over time. And remember, you know, as part of this process, remember that our past and our circumstances shape us, but they don't have to define us. We get to tell the story and we can rewrite the story anytime we want uh, to, to help us on our journey toward making a life that matters. There's a couple of tools that I wanted to offer to help with this process that have been helpful to me. Uh, One of them, uh, one set of them, I guess, comes from Brene Brown, whom I've talked about before. In her book, Rising Strong, she describes something called that she calls the Rising Strong Process. And I'm not going to go into the whole detail there. I I recommend this book. I'll put a link in the show notes. It'll be an affiliate link, but where you can get this, uh, a copy of Rising Strong. And I encourage you, if you haven't already read it, to, to read this. But she talks about the reckoning, the rumble, and the revolution. And this kind of tracks what I've talked about already. The reckoning is when you acknowledge that you're feeling something, identify what it is, and get curious about what's happened and how um, what you're feeling uh, is connected to your thoughts and your behaviors, and so she has this whole series of questions that you can ask yourself in being curious about why you're feeling the way you are, what story it is you're telling yourself, what meaning you're assigning to something that has um, that, that that story has created these feelings in you. Questions like. Hmm, why am I being so hard on everyone around me today? What is setting me off? Or how did I get to the point that I want to punch this wall? Or why am I feeling so overwhelmed? Or I can't stop thinking about that conversation at work. Why, Why do I keep thinking about that? So that's the reckoning. Acknowledging, first of all, that you're feeling something giving a name to it. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling whatever. And then get curious about why that is. Then uh, after that comes the rumble. and, And she says that's where you get honest with the stories you've made up about your struggles. And revisit, challenge, and reality check those narratives. And that's what I was talking about before. Is it true? Once you've identified the story that you're telling yourself that's creating these feelings, uh, whether it's you know feelings of incompetence, feelings of being disorganized, whatever it is, why, you know, wh- is it true? Challenge those stories. And then the last step of the the Rising Strong process is the revolution, which is where you take... F- what you've learned about yourself from those first two steps, and as she puts it, write a new, more courageous ending. And I love that. So, Rising Strong, uh, that book by Brené Brown, recommend it. Check it out if this is an area that you'd like to, you know, do a little personal development in. And then the second tool I've talked about a little bit before, and that is Brooke Castillo's model. Um, This is something you use to develop that awareness and learn to make intentional choices about the stories you tell yourself. And the model is something, a tool that Brooke has developed for self-coaching or, you know, for life coaches to use where everything that happens in the world fits somewhere in the model. It's either a circumstance, a thought, a feeling, an action, or a result. A circumstance is a fact it is something you could prove, you know. Everybody would agree on. Like we talked about before, I'm talking into a microphone. That's a fact. That's a circumstance that would go in the circumstance line. A thought, she says, is a sentence in your mind about that fact. A feeling is. Um, she defines these as a vibration in our body, and I'm still trying to wrap my mind about that around that. But as the model is applied, a feeling is one word. Um, whatever you're feeling whether it's angry discouraged joyful determined enthusiastic just one word feeling an action is something you do or you don't do and a result is obviously you know the result of what you've done And the the key to using the model in sort of redefining or identifying and redefining your stories to create a more productive and meaningful life is learn what goes where in the model. Circumstance, thought, feeling, action, and result. So for example, maybe you've got some looming deadlines at work and Um, you you probably would say, as we all have, I have too much to do. And we think that's a fact, but uh, in applying the model, it's actually not. It's a thought. If it was a fact, everybody would agree. And there are probably people who have the same list of things to do that you do who don't think it's too much to do. So I have too much to do is not a fact. It's a thought. The fact might be My boss has required me to accomplish A, B, and C by tomorrow at 3 p.m., okay? Nobody could disagree with that because the boss gave you the memo that said, I want you to do A, B, and C by 3 o'clock tomorrow. So that might be the circumstance. The thought, it would be, I have too much to do. The feeling, what feeling comes from that? It might be stressed or panicky or overwhelmed or angry or discouraged or helpless or, you know, whatever the feeling that comes from that. What action comes from that whatever feeling? The action might be I buckle down and get to work, or it might be I'm feeling overwhelmed and so I surf social media or I eat a bag of chips or I sit and watch TV. What, Whatever the action is, and then the result that comes from that, if if the, react, if the action you take when you're overwhelmed, and this, I, I'm going to admit, when I'm overwhelmed, uh, this is my tendency, and I have to be very intentional not to do, do this, I'll just shut down and I'll surf social media or get on the internet or watch a bunch of YouTube videos. And the result from that action is I don't get the things done that I have to do, or I have to do them very rushed and stressed out. So that's how you could apply the model to that circumstance. It's sort of understanding where things go, which line they go on. Another example would be maybe uh, the, the, the idea that I'm disorganized. I'm a disorganized person. Okay? Again, we think that's a fact when we say it. Well, it's just true, everybody knows. Well, everybody doesn't know that. It's not a fact unless everybody would agree, not just the people that live in your house, not but anybody you asked would agree that you're a disorganized person. You might not be. You might you might just because you have a you know what may look to some people as a, a disorganized desk, maybe you know you have a system and every you know where everything is. But in any event I'm a disorganized person isn't a fact. It's a thought about yourself. The fact might be, I can't find my keys, or I missed an important impo- appointment, uh, or something like that. And then the thought might be, well, I'm a disorganized mess. Somebody else might have a different thought about that. But I'm, you know, for purposes of this example, that's the thought that we have. And if that thought creates a feeling, maybe it's ashamed or embarrassed or hopeless or resigned. What action comes from that? Maybe it's just to, you know, go shopping. What, whatever you do when you're ashamed, we all have different ways of reacting. That's the, to that story that we tell ourselves. And then there's a result that comes from that. What Brooke teaches and what I believe is if you work through this process, you learn to understand your mind, to separate facts from feelings, and you can, over time, if you want to, change these thoughts which will change your feelings, which change, will change your actions, which will change the results you get in your life. And that's you know, kind of how we're the, the point of this whole episode. If you don't like the results that you're having in your life, the way to sort of back into this is start with asking yourself, what result do you want? And then once you've identified that, what action would you need to take to get that result in your life? Because every result in our life is comes from our own actions, not from what other people do, but from our own actions. And then in order to... How, how would you need to feel to take that action? And what thoughts would you need to think to feel the way you, you need to feel in order to take the action that would get you the results you want? That's That's kind of the version, shorter version of what I have learned from, from studying Brooke and other teachers like her. So what does all this have to do with productivity? Well, what productivity is, is ordering our life in such a way as to maximize our positive impact on the world around us by using our gifts, our talents, our abilities to accomplish the things we care about and make a life that matters as we each define that for ourselves. And if we're not doing that, And I hear from many of you that you're not, and often I'm not either. If we're not doing that, if we're not productive in in the sense of ordering our life in that way, if we're not using our gifts and our talents and our abilities to accomplish the things we care about, if we're not doing that, there's a reason. If we're not doing the things we say we care about most, there's a reason. If we don't feel our life matters in the way we want it to, there's a reason, And we're often our own biggest stumbling block. And the stories we tell ourselves about who we are, what we're capable of, what we deserve, and what life will allow us, all those stories make all the difference. So if we can identify those stories that are driving our behavior, we can choose to create a new story. Our brains can do that. It just takes intention and purpose and and awareness and a decision to change the story, which will eventually change the results. So, what do you think? Are the stories you're telling yourself helping you accomplish what you care about, or are you sabotaging your own efforts? Is this a journey you want to go on with me to, to become more aware of those those stories we're telling ourselves and make sure that they are serving us well? I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on this. As always, you can share your questions, your thoughts in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find by going to theproductivewoman.com slash 138. Or you can post a comment or a question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page or even better in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. If you're not already a member, please join us there. Go to theproductivewoman.com slash group and click on the join button. If you want to share your thoughts about this episode or anything else, for that matter, with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I would love to hear from you. Um, I wanted to take a moment to thank a couple of people who've recently left reviews of The Productive Woman in iTunes. I want to thank um, Bree G.F. from the United States who says, Awesome way to start out the week with this podcast. Thank you, Laura. Well, thank you, Bree GF. I appreciate it. And then um, Maria Desmondi, uh, who you might remember was a guest on the show. This surprised me. She recently left a review that says, I love listening to this podcast while I'm on walks in the morning. There are helpful stories from guests and from the host herself. I appreciate the honesty guests share of their struggles and how the attempts they make to overcome them and live a more productive life. So thanks, Maria. Uh, let's see. Reminder, as this episode comes out, I'm wrapping up um, and formula- forming the last of the groups for the Spring Productive Woman Masterminds. What's that project you've wanted to work on but don't or that goal you want to accomplish but can't seem to make progress on? The dream that keeps getting shoved to the bottom of the list while you take care of everybody else? Consider joining a Productive Woman Mastermind as your gift to yourself. Just one hour a week for 12 weeks spent with like-minded women who will encourage you, inspire you, and hold you accountable and who will appreciate it when you do the same for them. I I really encourage you to... uh, Invest in yourself for 12 weeks and see how much it will change your life. You can visit the Work With Me page on the website at theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind, where you'll find more information, uh, some audio clips you can listen to from women who've participated in masterminds in the past, and they sharing share just a minute or two about what the experience was like for them. You'll also find the link to the short online application there at, uh, again, it's at theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind. Uh, If you have questions, email me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. The groups are going to start meeting the beginning of May, but spaces are limited. So don't wait if if you think this is something you want to do. Finally, don't forget to check out our sponsor, FreshBooks, and take advantage of their special offer of a free 30-day unrestricted trial of their outstanding cloud accounting service, visit freshbooks.com slash woman and enter the Productive Woman in their How Did You Hear About Us section. And thank you so much to FreshBooks for supporting the Productive Woman. And that is it for this little bit longer than I intended episode of the Productive Woman. Thanks so much for sticking with me and for spending this time with me. I hope you found it to be useful. I look forward to talking with you again next week. And until then, remember, extend grace to each other, And please extend grace to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.